0: Hello and welcome to Heilman and Haver, the stage and screen podcast coming to you from Casa de Quinn and 1111 Studios in beautiful Port Orchard, Washington. I'm Matt Haver.
1: And I'm Greg Heilman. We're two local actors looking to hone our craft by exploring the best in local theater and on the big screen. Each week we bring you entertainment news and views, celebrate classic Hollywood, enjoy cocktails with a Titseltown twist, interview talented local actors and directors, and chat with industry experts from LA to the UK.
0: And speaking of the City of Angels, joining us for episode 57 is well-known Los Angeles cardiologist and actor Dr. Rico Simonini. Rico originated the role of Frank Sinatra in Willard Manis's play Frank and Ava in 2014 and again in the 2018 film by the same name which he adapted and co-produced. Today's interview took place on January 25th, the 32nd anniversary of Ava Gardner's death, and in a few moments we'll hear from Rico about his film and the woman who saved Sinatra by first destroying him. Coming up right after a look at the arts around the sound.
1: And lots happening on the stage this week. Hitting the Western Washington Center for the Arts stage, it's the final weekend of Love or Marriage, a collection of one-act plays by George Bernard Shaw, directed by our friend Christy Anne Jacobson, and starring a cast of local favorites. You can find my review of the show on our Facebook page and catch Love or Marriage tonight, Friday, January 28th through Sunday, January 30th. Get tickets and more info at wwca.us.
0: And over in Bremerton, you can catch Seastock's presentation of Roald Doll's Matilda, the musical, also in its final weekend. Greg's review of the show is also up on our Facebook page, and tickets are available at Seastock.org. And don't forget to mark your calendars now for Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman, opening at Bremerton Community Theater next Friday, February 4th. Info and tickets can be had at bctshows.org, and everything's linked in our show notes.
1: Well, when it comes to community theater performers, it's pretty common for actors to have day jobs. But today, we're joined by a gentleman who has not only made an impact as a professional performer on stage and screen, but spends his days literally keeping the heart of L.A. healthy.
0: Dr. Rico Simonini is a leading Los Angeles cardiologist, an accomplished actor, writer, and producer. As an actor, Rico has enjoyed the opportunity to play leading roles in dozens of plays on stages in New York, Los Angeles, and a few places in between. Working the boards as Ricky Roma and Glengarry Glen Ross. R.P. McMurphy in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, Daniel Caffey, A Few Good Men, and Joe Pendleton in Heaven Can Wait, in addition to originating over a dozen roles in dramas by local playwrights, all while maintaining his cardiology practice.
1: Like Anton Chekhov, Somerset Maugham, and Arthur Conan Doyle before him, Rico remained married to medicine while pursuing his paramour, the theater. And after being recruited by one of Los Angeles' most prestigious medical centers, he found himself being recruited by his clients to indulge his fancy for film and theater.
0: This led Rico to study the craft with various mentors, including the Baron Brown Meisner Studios as well as the Actors Studio. In 2014, playwright Willard Manus chose Rico to originate the role of Frank Sinatra in Frank and Ava, a two-person play developed at the Actors Studio and based on true events, portraying the star's iconic and tumultuous romance.
1: Inspired by the story of Sinatra's redemption and resurrection despite improbable odds, Rico undertook the screenplay adaptation, and his first feature film, Frank and Ava, premiered in 2018 with a global release in early 2019. Rico joins us from his office in Beverly Hills. Welcome to the show, Rico. Welcome. Hey,
2: thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, Rico, 32 years ago today, today is January 25th, uh, we lost Ava Gardner at age 67. We'd like to find out why was it so important to you to tell this specific story in Frank and Ava about Frank Sinatra and as we mentioned in our intro, the woman who saved him, as your movie promo says, by breaking him?
2: Well, I think it's one of the greatest romance stories of, of all time, let alone just Hollywood romance stories. Because, uh, you know, people know about Frank Sinatra, they know about Ava Gardner, but the question is, these are two people that their their romance was at critical moments of both their lives and both their careers. And and everyone knows Frank is this, the iconic chairman of the board, but I'm talking about this is Frank before he was chairman of anything. You know, Frank was basically this, uh, uh, this skinny uh, 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 crooner that sat there and, and, and sang and these women swooned in the front row and he was doing that through the, through the uh, 1940s. But then by the end of the 40s, people kind of got fed up with Frank and the, and the bad boy mentality and the you know the dalliances and the affairs with this one and the other one. And this was you know late 1940s, early 1950s. America was uh, pretty conservative, you know, and, and there was a very ultra right wing uh, editing mechanism out there, not unlike today, right? Anyway, but but uh, <laughs> and Frank was being canceled basically. You know, they, they were looking at everything he was doing and saying, "Hey, you, your friends are gangsters, or or you 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 t- you talk with liberals and communists, and you defend minorities and all that." We and this is not what fits in 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 the WASP America view, right? And and, and so that and his uh, organized know crime ties and all that and 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 the fact that his he was losing his voice he had suffered from a vocal cord hemorrhage and was losing his voice and they were kind of getting ready to get rid of this guy and he was being banished to something called television because at the time television was like like public radio like people people (laughs) go there and and they go away you know here's a fate worse than death exactly exactly so um and he meets ava gardner who you know came from very modest background, a small little town in North Carolina, uh, Grabtown, North Carolina, and uh, accidentally became a star. Basically, her, her sister showed some pictures and, and she was discovered and became this overnight uh, sensation and dated Mickey Rooney, uh, married Mickey Rooney, and Artie and Shaw, who was, a, you know, Mickey Rooney was the greatest star at, at, at that time. He was the big star, and Artie uh, Shaw was the big band leader. And when she met Frank Sinatra, she was dating Howard Hughes, which is the richest most powerful man in the world, It probably had her house bugged for everything to make sure what she would do. And she was one of those women that, that should be celebrated because she was one of those women that was that uh took her own power, you know, and and because you know there's always the stories of the, the Hollywood casting couch and all that. And Ava kind of flipped that. Ava used her her ability and her power and maybe even her sexuality to kind of like keep people in line and and get get gigs she wanted to get and get people to, 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 to listen to her and, and, and own that. There, there, was a, there was a lot of very strong women in Hollywood back then, like the Barbara Stanwix, Betty uh, 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 Davis, who basically, you know, they didn't take crap from anybody and they basically told the studio heads, hey, this is what I'm doing. If you don't like it, fire me or whatever. And, you, and if you fire me, I'll go work with somebody else and make you look bad. And, and these guys did, they did what they wanted to do. So she's a she's a very powerful, strong woman, incredibly beautiful, and in, and and in, in every way conventional and non-conventional because everyone says she was like she she cussed like one of the boys, right? She hung out and and everyone liked being around her. And here's Frank, you know, who basically had you say kind of had his way with people before her, right? Uh, he had all these women on the side, and these affairs, and then he meets the one person that he can't conquer, you know, and she basically had his number, I mean, she was way younger than him, but she basically had him, you know, right where she wanted him and, and, uh, and he had to have her, but, but here he was trying to get her attention or try to get, win her. And he was, his career was dying. He was being pushed out of Hollywood and he's trying to compete with Howard Hughes, who could buy her anything she wants, take her anywhere she wants. And, and here he is, you know, barely having enough money to support the wife and the kids and, and all he really had was, uh, the profession of his love. And uh, it was it was really an amazing relationship because he he needed her. There's something about her. It's like every every guy meets that one person. Every person meets that one person that has their number that, they, that they're they're going to die for. I always say, we always have there's a person all of our lives will make us stand on on the on the on the roof of the on the top deck of the Eiffel Tower at midnight, looking over the edge and saying it's not worth it anymore because he or she is gone and you have these feelings and, and that was her. She was that person for him. He, she pulled at him like nobody else did. And I think what, what happened to Frank as a result of being with her is that she humbled him because he had gotten everything he wanted. He kind of was this kind of bad boy, I guess. I don't want to say the Justin Bieber of his time because we're more, I, I, I think him a lot better <laughs> than Justin Bieber, but you know, to give the, the millennial generation an, uh, an idea an, an example he was that guy, do whatever he wanted and people kind of like went with him and suddenly all that kind of stopped and here's this woman that he can't have and, and he had to grow up. He had to have, had to had actually feel what it's like to, to want something and not get it and want something so bad that, that, that you can't live without it and, you, and, and and she was one of those things. And being an actor, being a serious actor, and getting the role from *Here to Eternity* he was the other one of those things. So, so the movie basically deals with those two wants. He wanted to play Majo and from *Here to Eternity* because he, he knew it was change his life and turn him around. And he wanted Ava Gardner. He wanted to have her. And and for some some way, both pursuits weren't ex, weren't exactly compatible with each other. Let's put it that way. And and uh, and that's why it was such a, a unique relationship because she basically was the one that made him grow up. If you listen to the Nancy Sinatra talk about about Frank, about the songs he recorded after Ava, there was definitely that 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 palpable uh, gravitas and heartache in those songs, like those Nelson Riddle songs that came in the mid late '50s, uh, yeah, like The longing, "Longing," "The Longing," and that was Ava did that, and, and the same thing with his performances. If you see, if you see him playing Majo or you see him in uh, Man man with the Golden Arm, the great film he did that he didn't win for. He should, probably should have won for that. Uh, you see, there's this vulnerable guy. You know, he wasn't just playing, hey, I'm this dancer guy, I get the girl. No, he's a guy who was broken, you know? And, and, and I think she helped him get there by, by basically grounding him. I mean, everybody needs to be kind of brought down. And that's what she kind of did for him. She kind of brought him down to reality, made him kind of, Right? By having him not just be able to conquer her, you know, and that kind of, like I said, the, the, her breaking his heart, her bringing him down like that it kind of humbled him. And, and, and suddenly he had this place to come from uh, of, of a real sincere wanting and longing and, and, and pain. And that pain stayed with him for probably uh, up and even up until she died, because there were because Ava was a uh, subject verboten around him. You can never talk about her around it because that was the one person that really hurt. And uh, and she always pulled, tugged at his heartstrings. Even later on, they, were, they weren't together anymore. Um, Ava had some problems with um, with George C. Scott and other people that she had dated. Really terrible experiences. And Frank, you know, was ready to go in there and, you know, dig a, dig a ditch and, and, and stick somebody in there for even harming or talking inappropriately to Ava. So, yeah.
1: It sounds like you're describing a muse that that she was his muse, and then all of a sudden that that's that part of his life is gone and it's just an empty uh, empty place
2: yeah i i would definitely say that she she definitely uh she it's like we all I don't know if you believe in this some this kind of stuff but there's frequencies you know we all have that person that kind of vibrates at that frequency with us and we kind of they 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 touch something and they connect something that they resonate something that they evoke something that other people don't do and then suddenly when that person's gone it's like you're it's like a niche you can't scratch anymore or 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 a hunger that never gets never gets fed and and that's kind of what happened and i think all of us you know in in life it's great to live it'd be be great to live this disney life where everything good everything happens and is things happy at the end but you know life isn't like that life is about disappointment and, and 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 uh and heartbreak and, and and things that don't work out and in fact it's the failures and disappointments that really make us more than the successes and and Ava was that that love and she was that special woman and uh, and then probably they were, they were probably more alike than they wanted to admit you know because she she didn't want to be conquered or owned by him and she even says that in her biographies you know that she wasn't going to let him own her but he always held that special part in her heart
1: well it can't have been easy playing someone of that stature, uh, one of the most well-known entertainers in history, and then equally on the other side, playing a woman who's described, who's been described as the world's most beautiful animal. Uh, now, you were involved in the process to bring the stage show to the screen extensively, and including the casting. What led to Emily Alicia Lowe in, in the role of Ava?
2: well i tell you it was a, it was a tough search trying to find that combination of toughness vulnerability and and uh, and, and then that just beauty that they have to emanate that quality of just looking at her it kind of changes the room there's some people when they walk into a room they change it ava was like that so trying to find someone that that had that quality yeah it it, it, it was uh, with a search, we 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 had uh, um, uh, Megan Foley and and, uh, and and was our was our was my casting director and she um, and, and and Chuck Mara her, her uh, partner husband casting director and they basically brought in all these girls and, and we were reading them and reading them and you no, know, we had we had the um, the play that had been done about a year year and a half prior so we had a sense from the play what we needed to get in, in for the, for the for the film. And uh, it was it was tough, and and the the the, the ironic part is um, there's, there's, there's a movie I like, uh, not too many people know about it. Well, maybe they do. Fabulous Baker Boys. Remember that movie, Fabulous Baker Boys? Oh, yeah. And they're reading and they're, and they're auditioning all these singers, right? And then at the very end, this girl comes stomping down the stairs, breaks her heel, and god damn it, go, who are you? Like, what? You're late. You then and and then she wanted to being the person. So, so, so basically Emily missed the first round of auditions because she had a kind of conflict. Then she shows up. I said, well, then come to the callbacks. I mean, you know, I was trying to be, and she walked in and she was like, wow, really? And and so it was like, she was that person that kind of, kind of came in in an unconventional time an unconventional way. And we just kind of read her because she had, there was something about her that made us think that she made, she would have it and she and, you know she's from the south and she's got that kind of quality and you see on the screen you know what she what, what the energy she gives
0: off. So that was um,
2: yeah, that, that's that, that's what went into that yeah.
0: Well the period of time you guys focus on in the film may not be real well known to most fans of either Frank or Ava and was certainly like you describe a challenging time for both of them. What kind of research went into preparing for the roles? And did you work with the families of Either Star? And and if so, was there any pushback from them uh for showing their loved ones in all their we'll call it tumultuous glory? Yeah, well that that's a great that's a great question. So you
2: now the the uh the original concept was was from a stage play that was developed at the actors studio that Willard Manis had written. Mm-hmm. And, and will basically I, ha- I had done the play with him before it was about it was a story was he had this play about the Berlin Wall, about how the the Soviets uh, built it overnight and totally outfoxed the CIA by giving him bad information. It's really great play actually. make, it, make a great film you had a hundred million dollars and he he was trying to replace the lead of his play who had to speak Greek, Russian and English obviously He was supposed to be an agent a double agent. And he w- wasn't getting along, I guess, with the actor. There's a problem with the actor. And he, and he talks to a guy named Tommy Castronova, who was one of my patients slash director, member of the actor Studio, who directed me in a bunch of shows. And he said, you know, I want to replace this guy, but we open in three weeks. And who the hell going to, who am I going to hire? It's going to be able to learn all this dialogue plus two languages. And Tom is like, yeah, hire my doctor. He goes, your doctor? He goes, yeah, he's an actor. He learned that stuff overnight. And so I came in to read, and, and I wanted to gain the part, and I played Costas the Greek who could speak Russian and Greek, and I had the dialogue and all that. And he was so overwhelmed with the job I did there. He said, you know, I'm going to write something for you, and and I want you to play this. And it was a it was a one act play that we read for the studio called Frank and Ava, and and, and we did a. We did a reading at the studio and uh, it was basically 10 scenes between the two of them expanding that period of time from 1949 to when ending when he wins the Oscar. And I remember at the uh, at, at the initial reading at the studio, uh, you had people, you know, members of the studio sitting there and you have people raising their hands. What kind of play is this? They're just drinking and smoking and <laughs> screwing. Who wants to listen to that? And then Marty Landa goes. Obviously, you don't like the like the same plays we do, and then you know, and, so, and so, and the play was born, and, and it became a big hit, and so the play became like the, the the initial seed, and then I basically did all the research by reading bios, reading articles, and through my practice, I, I have a lot of patients who actually worked with Frank Sinatra. Uh, wow! If you, if you look at the end of the movie, and and uh, uh, and this may be a, a you know a B reel sometime or or, or or a subsequent release. I interview a lot of people who knew Frank Sinatra, people who were patients of mine, friends of mine. Like Shirley Jones gave this great interview about how Frank quit the Music Man. He was supposed to play opposite her in the Music Man and they record, They had spent months and months doing all the dance sequences, music sequences, and then they're gonna go back and shoot the actual acting, right? And and, and the day they were supposed to do principal photography, the acting, Frank rolls up six hours late, Looks at these cameras and said, What are these two cameras doing here? And they go, Well, Frank, this is the regular camera. And this is this thing called CinemaScope, this new thing we're using. We do one way CinemaScope, one way the old way. And Frank's like, I got paid to do one movie, not two. And he gets <laughs> the car, drives away, and quits. And they're saying, And she's like, How can you just quit the movie after we spent all this time recording and all that? How, how in the world could this happen? And she finds out that what really happened was that Ava was in Africa doing magambo, and, and, and Clark Gable was there. And there was this rumors of this bullfighter that was taking side trips. That She was taking side trips to Spain. And Frank was on the phone with Ava. And, you know, if you imagine, imagine your worst cell phone service now, imagine being on the phone <laughs> from LA to Africa in 1952 or 1951, whatever that was and having, and, and, and through, through the bad, watery, staticky connection, you have a fight with somebody and they say, well, I guess I'll just have to amuse myself here where you have fun with Shirley Jones and click hang up and not call you back. So Frank quit the show, got on the plane, went to Africa and sat on set to make sure that Ava wouldn't stray because he was so afraid of losing her while she was away. That's why he quit that show. So so stories like that from people that knew him, people who dated him, people who lived with him, actors who auditioned for the part of Maggio and met Frank. So, So, So a lot of information came from that. And, um, as far as the family, we, we had, we did reach out and, uh, um, you know, it it wasn't exactly, it was, um, not, not, not the best, uh, response. And, uh, the play wasn't appreciated by the family. The the feedback I got was, um, uh, Ava's too sympathetic. She was a homewrecker. Well, I mean, they're going to say that because that's what it was for them. Right. And then, and then basically the best we got was, uh, we wish you luck with the project, but we're not gonna contribute any music or anything like that. And, and mm. that's kind of where it was, because it, it kind of, because they actually, the accuracy was pretty good, because we, we, we kept everything, everything was pretty factual based on, you know, true stories and, 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 and articles and bios and all that. I made a point to really keep that real because there was enough drama in reality to, to, to have to like, you really didn't have to, you know, create anything that did not truly exist. And some of the stories, I remember the feedback I got was, who told you about that? How'd you know about that? And I said, well, you know, because so-and-so was there and he, he saw the whole thing. And, and, and like, actually one guy, Bob Christopher, he's in there, he's in the interviews at the end. He was 93 when he gave this interview and he auditioned for Majo, didn't get it, was told Eli Wallach was doing it. And then find out suddenly that Eli didn't get it because the agent wanted too much money. And then suddenly he's doing Barefoot Contessa in Spain with Ava, and, with he Ava. Meets, and he meets Ava Gardner first day of rehearsals. And, and she walks in, he says, she walks in with this, with this this beautiful, like kind of lavender scent and this hair and she's wearing like this robe. And she thought I was the makeup person because she drops down her robes. Okay, just work on the hair. And I was like, oh, excuse me. No, I'm I, I'm an actor. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the movie. told nervous nervous. Here she is like in, in her glory. I'm like, and she goes, oh, really? And she takes her, so let's read lines. And then they start reading lines together. And, and then the next day Bogey shows up and he's there for his usual daily session of run lines with Ava. He goes, Hey, who are you? I'm here to run lines with Ava. No, nah, no, nah, that's Frank's girl. You get out of here. Scram, beat it. Bogey kicked him out. And then the bullfighter was there. And and, and one time Frank showed up in Spain and, and, and Bob had to run interference because Ava was gone off at the bullfighter somewhere in town and they had to come up with some alibis. Oh, no, no, she's they're doing pickup shots over on this beach and you can't get there because <laughs> the roads washed out. Of them. And we had, so all these great, great stories that never made it into the film because of the other, oh, well, there's another story about that, but yeah, but, but we have all these terrific s- stories that, that that were done. And, uh, and one of my, one of my patients actually lived with Frank and in, 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 in Palm Springs. So she had all these great stories of what it was like to be Frank's girlfriend for four months. And, uh, so I got a lot of, a lot of like firsthand uh, accounts of, 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 of Frank. And then um, I met Frank as a kid with my dad. So, so, so Frank, you know, my dad hung out with that world of New York knock around Italian guys with a nightclub restaurant business. So, uh, so I kind of knew the world of, of, of that. So, so when I wrote it, I wrote it from that perspective and I wrote it from that. And then when I figured out the, the inspirations for the performances, I, I basically used that as my as my. Re- Research because you know basically my dad was like a Sinatra guy. He was like a tough New York guy with blue eyes, Italian, hung out with mob guys. He just didn't sing. They did everything else. He, he chased women. He hung out. He's very you know, happy-go-lucky. Very you know he, he man of his word. You know he loved his friends and and, and was very loyal. Very, like I said, very 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 frank-like. And, and he and he knew and and Frank knew him and he was one of Frank's favorite waiters in Manhattan. Every time they came to New York. You eat at one of my father's restaurants wherever he was working.
1: So that was like that was like part of it.
2: So yeah, so I kinda have had that background and in, in, in the play and in, in all the research.
1: Did any of those stories that you unearthed in trying to make the film change the way you played Frank? Or did you have that fully formed almost coming from doing the, the stage play? No, no,
2: the, the stories and the research and the, because the, so, I wrote, I, I adapted the screenplay. So, so as the, uh, you know, as you're writing it and adapting it, it comes more alive and you start learning more about the man, you learn, learn more about how, about mood swings and vulnerability and, 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 and what was, what meant to him. Also what people really were after him because he had, you know, he had a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of daggers in his back. A lot of guys out there wanted to see him fail and there are a lot of people trying to trip him up uh so so he kind of saw that and also the, the other thing i got to, i got to learn about was his uh his relationship with montgomery cliff i mean they were very tight uh, monty cliff basically taught him all about acting they, they said he would get Monty was an active studio member he was a legit trained actor and frank you know um really connected with monty and was a, they were very close in fact you stayed close you know through Monty's career and unfortunately montgomery Clip had issues you know, with alcoholism eventually you know died you know quite young um but uh that kind of showed me uh, a, a vulnerability about him and how his he was really you just show he was loyal and what what, what, was, what was important to him so i kind of you kind of learned more about the depths that he would go to and and, and, you, and you saw the heights and you also saw you know, it's it's like, it's funny, like when, when he, one of my, one of my, well, there's a lot of favorite scenes, but one of my favorite, one of my favorite scenes is one with Monty Cliff in Hawaii where they're sitting there and they're drunk and he's trying to uh, uh, get over Ava and Monty's trying to like, you know, encourage him and saying, listen, use this, I mean, use this pain in your acting. But the other scene is actually near the end of the film is when uh, 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 Frank had won the Oscar and he's drunk alone in the streets of Beverly Hills. And and basically, a, a cop wants to arrest him for vagrancy. There's so some guy in a tuxedo who's drunk on somebody's lawn, carrying this little gold statue. He goes, oh, he probably stole this. Who's this guy? probably broke into somebody's house and stole it. Then the then the cop's sergeant came up and said, "You knucklehead, that's Frank Sinatra." You know? <laughs> but but even in victory, it, it was it was alone. So so it, it, there was an emptiness there. So so that's so that's kind of you, you kind of almost you know the stars weren't always. You know, even when they lined up, they kind of wasn't quite lined up. It was, still, it was still, it was still like a pullback. You know, it still couldn't quite, you know, uh, uh, never quite, you know, win. You know, You kind of won, but not quite. You know? And 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 there was something about that, you know, about about about, about you know some of us is it, it, like a zeitgeist of how we how we. This is our lot. This is this is the cards we have. This is what we can do with them. And then, and then when you come to accept that, you almost find humor in it. You know, it's like, oh, of course, of course, I'm going to be alone and not even the Oscar. Of course, she's not, Ava's not going to be here. But, but, you know, you hope that's not the case, but of course. And I think that's kind of what led to Frank, you know, eventually forming his own record label and, 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 you know, he became kind of a, uh, almost like a mafia don the way he ran things. Cause why? Because coming up, everybody didn't really look out for him, you know, and he had to like kind of, find it on his own. So, so then when he finally made it on his own, you know, he, he was very loyal to people who were loyal to him and wanted nothing to do with the people who had tried to take advantage of him were very cautious about who tried to get close to him because you know, he had learned the hard way you know, to, of the entertainment business.
1: Well, one of the highlights of the film is, is the great supporting cast. Yeah. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton, Eric Roberts, Catherine Hellman, Dionne Warwick, Shirley Jones, whom you mentioned before. So tell us a little bit about assembly that cast. I mean, many have known who, obviously, as you said, knew Frank. Yeah, well,
2: it, it, I tell you, it, 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 this this is one of those things that was meant to be. So a, lo- a lot of my cast came from uh, either my practice, because my my practice is a lot of Hollywood types, or friends of people in my practice. Uh, and uh, and then, I mean, Harry Dean was I, I I've known Harry I knew Harry Dean the last fifteen years of his life, and I met, I met him at De Niro's restaurant, which is here in, in West Hollywood. That became like a hangout. And suddenly people say, where do you find your patients from? I go, well, I hang on, Robert De Niro's restaurant. They go, oh, you're the Italian guy who's a doctor. good." and everybody sits down with me and tells me their problems. And uh, and Harry Dean became a friend. And 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 he was just, he was very supportive of my of my acting. In fact, I, I did a lot of theater out here in L.A. And Harry would sit there in the back and watch every show I did. And, and a couple of times, I remember we did a, I did the Cuckoo's Nest, and I played McMurphy, and and he, and he brought he brought Jack with him. And they both sat in the back with baseball caps and and fans. Oh my God, Nicholson's here. And so Harry always was supportive, uh, and every and, and and everyone else that you mentioned, there were people who were patients or friends. And at some point, people heard I was doing this film, and I and I, and I run into somebody at the gym. Goes, hey, are you doing this movie by Sinatra? And I go, yeah. So what part am I playing? I said, "Well, I can't really afford you." He goes, "Oh said so it bad money. I want to be in this movie. and And suddenly it was great. I'd be writing roles with people who had come up to me who said they wanted to work in the film and and, and, the, and it makes it much more easy to write when you know who you're writing it for. And somehow, it, a couple of situations was kind of almost this this weird uh, synchronicity. I wrote this uh, scene between two characters, two two actors I know. And in, in the scene, they're supposed to hate each other. There's supposed to be this, this antagonism between them. And then in true life, they do hate each other, don't like each other, don't trust each other, because they both called me up says, hey, I heard you, i doing this scene with so-and-so. Well, listen, I gotta get the last close-up, otherwise he'll steal it from me, you know? Like, and so both of them, I'm like, oh my God. And you start learning these other aspects of acting, not just, you know, knowing your lines, being on mark, being in character and playing the like, but making sure you own the scene because there's things that people do to try to take away from you with little gimmicks, right? And so, so that's how that's how well I was, I was in casting and trying to get, trying to find something inside the the, the, the person I cast that fit with the role they, they were playing, even though physically they might look, they might look like the real character, but they actually the the spine was there. So, it was it was it was great. I mean, just having people ask, you know, to be in the movie, and. It made it a little tough with the editing because, you know, some of the scenes like so great with all these guys and you're saying, wow, how how do you make, how do you cut this down? How do you cut this out? How do you, because this guy did this for free and he was great. And there's, I mean, there's a great scene. Um, where all the Italian guys are sitting around the table talking baseball Then Frank walks in that was inspired by the, uh, we call it the, uh, the Italian hour, this lunch, every Monday, where all these those same guys at that, at that, in that scene would sit around this, Restaurant in West Hollywood, and they sit and we have food, and they all talk about acting, and 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 they said, this has to be in the movie. So basically, they're all in this. I wrote a scene for all of them where, that's what would happen when when a bunch of Italians sit down, and they start kibitzing one another, and, and, and you know, and and, and the phrases breaking each other's balls back and forth, and then Frank will walk <laughs> in on that. And that's what happens, and, and and that and and it was perfect. That scene was like it looks like improv, but it was all scripted. But they all worked for this. That's what they do naturally. So. It's, it, it, it and and someone say you know this scene doesn't really drive the movie anywhere i go yeah but it's a fun scene you got these guys talking around these old guys and they're talking about the dodges and coffee and this and that i mean it's 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 some it's it, so that, that was the hard part trying how can you how can you cut this how can you cut anybody's scene out when, when when they worked for basically nothing for like a, you know food and gas money and then <laughs> here they are in the movie doing such a great natural job
1: was there a four- hour director's cut available that, you know, with all i stuff? <laughs> um, you
2: know what, I'm working on that. I, it's, it's funny, so initially the, the the idea I had, the inspiration I had and how, how this film was supposed to look and, and uh, one of my favorite movies I'd say of all time or top, at least top three is Reds, Warren Beatty, written by, directed by. And really think think about Reds. Reds is about a romance, but it's a romance between two extraordinary people at an extraordinary time in history, okay? The, the revolution and socialism and all that. But it's really a love story. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. It's like, it's, it's, it's the Russian Revolution. It's, 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 uh, it's J. Mitchell Palmer finding communism and trying to arrest Americans and all that. It's about fear. But it's really about love. These two guys, these two people can't stay together because they're so strong-minded. And so I thought Frank and Ava was like that kind of a story. And what made that movie work for me, uh, uh, how Warren did it, Warren found these witnesses that knew them, and at the beginning of the movie, there's, you see, these really shriveled old people says, They said he was a communist, but I didn't know he was a good looking guy. That's all I know. And and, 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 then that, and, that, and as the movie went on, they would talk more about it. They even had Henry Miller, one of my favorite writers of all time, talking about, you know, well, back then there was just as much, you know, fucking going on as there is now, except it meant something back then. You know, it was different, but it was still, it's still. Sex, I mean, and to have these people just speak about that era and those people. That was my idea. To have, that's why I interviewed all these witnesses to tell me these great stories about Frank and and uh, and that version never got never got cut because it, it was it would, it would have been three hours long and, and it was like well yeah Warren Beatty can make a three hour and twenty minute movie but <laughs> and watch it but you
0: the, uh, it's not going to work. They're going to say who's this guy you know so yeah we still want to see it. They well, I can work on that. (laughs) (laughs) So you've, you've made a film about your hero. You've got a full time uh, successful cardiology practice. You're also chief medical officer or advisor for the community organized relief effort. We could get you on for a whole nother episode about how you juggle all those things. But what we really want to know is what's next for you. What do you have in the hopper as far as acting goes and and how can uh, we and all of our listeners keep up with the latest for, for you?
2: Sure. Um, what's next? That's great. Well, depends what COVID has in mind for us. It's been challenging as far as getting, you know, getting gigs and, and figuring out what's going on. I just got back from Greece where I did a movie called The Greek Job with uh with with Eric, Eric Roberts, uh, Costus Mandalore and and the leads, a guy named Antimos, who's uh who's a he 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 was a he's a he's a Greek celebrity. did I think he did dancing with the stars of a bunch of shows there. So it's a it's a really it's an intriguing. Uh, a story about Greek politics and uh, the interaction between the the church, the KGB, and and and, and East Germans. So so uh, so how that how that kind of formed Greek politics in, in the 70s and 80s. So I did, so I did that, and then um, there's a movie coming out, my dinner with Eric. Eric Roberts and I did this basically two guys sitting down having dinner talking about life. That's supposed to be released next week. So how can you find out about this stuff? I, I guess if you, if you go to uh, ricosimini.com is one way. Uh, uh, and, and the website will have information. Frank and Ava is on movie.com Or on my IMDb page, you'll have everything that's, that's going on. Uh, Rico Cimini, IMDb. You'll see what, I, what I'm working on. Uh, as far as doing another feature, like a full, like a, my own uh, project, um, you know, it's funny. That, that Will Will Manis also wrote a play about Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe called Joe and Marilyn, and 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 that piece really was uh, it, it was also very compelling. Uh, also, another tragic figure in, in American history and cinema. I don't think the world's ever going to be tired of Marilyn Monroe stories because she was very uh, misunderstood, and and uh, I think the more time goes on, the more we realize how tragic it was, and. Uh,
1: and that's another story where you have Joe DiMaggio who is super controlling. Yeah. Over what she did, which would yeah. be, I, I would be interested in seeing that one for sure. That,
2: that's yeah, exactly. And he really was pretty controlling, and and and. Uh, but then there's some redemption in him. You'll see. There's moments where he, he rescued her from certain situations, and then, and as you know, or maybe not know, um, when she died, she was planning on remarrying him. She had a, She had the dress all picked out. Uh, it was like a green, uh, a green chiffon dress. They were going to get married in. So they were going to get remarried. And uh, she she left him a, a a message to the effect of I want to marry you. I want yes. I'll learn to make lasagna with your sister. Okay. And and I, I'm tired of Hollywood because it had been it had gotten dangerous for her. And not to give too much away. Uh, uh, um, so it was um, sad. You know, he he was really hoping to to marry her and then take her away from all this. And then she died.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, we will look forward to, uh, to hopefully seeing that in the future. Sounds like a perfect story for you to tell with your experience with Frank and Ava. No, thank you. Yeah. Well, hopefully this, this pandemic will clear up
2: and the powers that be do the right things to keep us all safe. And as far as guidelines, as far as, you know, uh, keeping people, you know, wearing masks when they should be wearing masks, getting vaccinated, they should be getting vaccinated. And, uh, and hopefully getting timely tests so we don't walk around you know four days later realize oh gee i just infected like you know half of dodger stadium you know
0: <laughs> it's a brave new world we're living in well again thank you so much for making time for us this has just been fascinating uh, enjoyed the film and uh, we've got a couple copies of the dvd we're going to give away to a couple of our lucky listeners and uh hope we'll uh, be able to stay in touch and keep up on all your future projects it's uh, really been a pleasure rico thank you
2: hey thank you guys and a shout out to you guys for what you're doing. I think. Uh, it's important for, you know, independent filmmakers and people trying to do stuff to have some forum or platform, we can kind of speak about this and give us a little spotlight so we can kind of, you know, we, we don't have much to go on out here, you know, so having getting some spotlight and getting some love, is always good. So love back to you guys and love what you're doing. And thank you for being, having me on the show.
1: Appreciate that.
0: Well, thanks. Next time, next time we're in LA, we'll, uh, we'll look you up. Sounds great. Sounds great. All right. Thank you, Rico.
1: Well, thank you to our guest, Dr. Rico Simonini. You can stream Frank and Ava on iTunes, and the film is available to stream and purchase on DVD and on Amazon Prime. Visit frankandavathemovie.com for more info on the film, and keep up with Rico at ricosimonini.com.
0: If you enjoyed this week's show, please make sure to follow us and share the podcast with a friend or two. Tell them to find us at heilmanandhaver.com and tune in on Apple Podcasts, Amazon
1: Audible, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And you can keep up with all of our latest on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and check out special segments like Get to Know a Theatre and In the Mix on YouTube. Happy New Year, and as always, thank you for supporting local theatre and for joining us on Highland and Haver.